If you think you know about mental illness, think again. This is We Are Hope, the radio program with host and co-founder Sean Perry. Mental illness has reached an all-time high in this country and beyond. We're here to break the stigma through change, discussion, and support. Now, here is your host, Sean Perry. Hello, and welcome to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change, with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you from the Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont, on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. We Are Hope is a nonprofit organization that brings anxiety education, coaching, trauma-informed interactive services, suicide prevention, collaborative problem solving, and emotional CPR to individuals and schools that are struggling to find affordable support options. We partner with school districts anywhere in the country to support students that are currently struggling. We support them in a way that has never been done before in a school setting. We bring services directly to the child in a one-on-one setting five days a week. This allows for a level of consistency that is unmatched in the public school system. If you know of a school or a child that can utilize our services, please send me an email at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also contact me directly via phone at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope, Inc. And We Are Hope is W-E-R-H-O-P-E. Again, that's W-E-R-H-O-P-E. I also wanted to mention something that I haven't had an opportunity to talk about yet. And that's We Are Hope's telecoaching platform. Our telecoaching model not only supports people all over the world, but it's also financially feasible to just about anyone. Starting at only $17.50 per session, we believe this price point most people can afford. This also allows you or someone you know to get support on their terms or your terms anytime and anywhere. Give me a call today to find out how you can be supported at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to go to our website at www.wearehope.org to donate today. 100% of all proceeds go directly to the people that we support, both children and adults. So today's show, Changing Our Lens Through Behavior on Behaviors, and uh, and I have decided to bring a great friend and business partner and the co-founder of We Are Hope, James Reinstein, to help me break this down. James, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Oh, hey, I'm really happy to have you here. So today, what I want to do first is I want to talk about behavior. And I think that most people, as, as you and I talk, you know, they have a misconception of behavior, right? And um, one of the things that I think is really important that we, that we have to ask ourselves is, why do we focus on behavior? That is a great question. Uh, I think that we really focus on behavior, whether it's in the classroom, outside of the classroom, really wherever we are, because we can physically see it right. or we can physically feel it. So I think that is probably one of the main reasons why we focus on behavior so much. Well, you know, and and I think, you know, we focus on it because other people's behaviors actually bother us, right? Yes. (laughs) Right? So whether it's a child in school, whether it's your partner, whether it's a friend, that behavior bothers us. And Mm -hmm. and it's doing something to us. And that is why I believe, and I think you believe as well, right, that that we typically respond in a way that's negative to negative behaviors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So this year you had, you were extremely fortunate in your role as the director of operations to not only be the director of operations, but to also be a coach in a school six hours a day, five days a week. Yes. Right. Really intense. Uh, You worked with probably over 60, 70 kids this year, somewhere around there. Around there. Yeah. And I, I, I would have to say that I don't think anybody's worked with 60 or 70 kids individually on a one-on-one basis anywhere in this country <laughs> this year, right? So yeah. so I think in, in that alone, you've got some really great insight that a lot of other people don't have. So what behaviors uh, do we see and what behaviors did you specifically see in school that that teachers thought were concerning or administrators thought that were concerning, but you said, no, that's really not that concerning? <laughs> Uh, I think another good question. Uh, one of the first things that pops into my head is really 
a lot of students that have their hood up in class, their hood up or their hat on or both or sunglasses and, and things like that, that a lot of teachers just seem that having their hood up in class is going to affect not only that specific student, but the entire classroom for some reason. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it's interesting that uh, I don't know if you were there at a training that I had done uh, at one of the schools and we had talked about a child who had put their head down on a desk. And I made one of the teachers put their head down while I finished doing my training for about mm-hmm. five or 10 minutes. And I asked them at the end of it, I said, hey, did you hear everything I said? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I did. I said, so then what's the problem with a child putting their head down yeah. on a desk? So here we have, you know, a child that, that had their head down on a desk and we still can't seem to to realize that this child may not have eaten, may be hungry, may have something going on at home, and we're we're responding, or the teachers in a classroom or other mm-hmm. adults are responding um, because that behavior is actually bothering them. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often <laughs> did you hear that in 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 your interactions with faculty members in schools? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I heard that quite a bit. It was it was definitely something that came up very often every week. Uh, it really depends on the age level. It really kind of tended to be, or at least from my experience, it was more middle school uh, to high school. And it's not even just having the head down on the desk, but it could just be choosing to sit in the back of the classroom as well. Uh, and then they come with questions about, well, what's wrong with this this person, this student? What can I do? I've asked questions. They don't respond. They keep their head down and kind of things like that. So what did you, what, you know, in, in that, you know, being there again, six hours a day, really embedded, you know, we are hope is really embedded within the schools and you being there specifically, you can really speak to this. Yeah. Um, you know, what was, what was the school's typical response to these behaviors? And I think I know what you're going to say, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's important for everybody listening to this show to really understand the response to a child who had their head down and what's really happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it kind of actually depended on what time of year it was Mm. (laughs) from, from my own experience and observations and and working with these students and teachers, it actually with some of these students, they would actually get kicked out of class more towards the end of the year, but they would get kicked out of class for having their heads down on the table. That's absurd. Or their hood up and head down. That's absurd. Right. (laughs) And, and, And so, you know, what, it's funny, right? So, when these things would happen, one of the things that we do as coaches in the school is we are advocates for these children. Yes. Right. And so can you talk a little bit about the way that the school responded, like we just talked about, but the way that we would create plans for them to respond differently? For the teachers? Yeah. Yeah. So for all the coaches, uh, including Sean and myself, too, with the teachers, uh, it could be forming communication through email. It might might even be the first step um, for having them to reach out to us and then physically building steps for these students. It could be having a check-in with the student and being at the very beginning of their class. Uh, For some of those students, it actually could be checking in with that student as soon as they walk into the school. And sometimes when that happens, if you check in with the student as soon as they walk in the door, they might not even have their head down in first period. Well, and I think, you know, you know, one of the things that, that I'm a I'm a big believer in and I'm a and I'm a big fan of is telling the teachers that it's a them issue, and not yeah. a student issue. Right. Yeah. Because, um, again, like I said earlier, you know, they're focusing on the behavior itself and not focusing on what's behind the behavior. Hence, how Correct. do we change? How do we change our lens on behavior? Correct. And so. When and more importantly, I think it's it's important to understand um, that a lot of times the teachers are feeling as though their anxieties are spiked when that when those behaviors are happening in the class. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you think of a of a child that's had a really bad day, and the teacher uh, begins to or that the child begins to talk back to the teacher. Yeah. The teacher automatically <clears throat> becomes offended. Yeah, some of them do. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, or the child has some sarcasm. Right. That's which mostly the case. Yes. Right. Which is often <laughs> which is oftentimes, you know, sarcasm is often the times a, a way to push push along that anxiety yep. that you're currently feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we learned this this year 
um, was to, when talking with teachers, was to give them a way to look at the situation differently. Yeah. And when we did that, we saw, and I, and I, and I think you would agree, we saw tremendous shifts in the teacher-child interaction. Mm-hmm. Because now they're changing their lens on behavior and they're changing yeah. the way in which they're actually addressing these situations. So, you know, yeah. to me, when a child comes to me with sarcasm and wittiness and and all these things that most people find annoying, <laughs> yeah. I laugh and give it back. Yeah. Right. Or I might say something like, hey, it seems like you're having a really tough mm-hmm. day today. Yeah. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on your level of rapport with the students. I mean, I think that is a very crucial thing, but most importantly, understanding when to do that. Right. And I think, it, and that's a really great point is that it's about rapport building. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to change the lens on behavior, first, you have to find out what's behind that behavior, but also build a rapport with that child. You know, one of the really cool things that I heard um, at a training that you and I went to um was that one of the one of the exercises that the school had done was they had put up all the children's names in on the wall. Yeah. And they asked every teacher if they knew each child. Yeah. And the ones that they didn't know, they had to spend time getting to know that child. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was so, so awesome. Yeah. I remember you and I talked about it after that. I did. And I actually, in fact... Um, brought that to the attention of a couple other teachers and they were like, yeah, we heard that too. That's really, really cool. Um, But I think if we're going to, as we continue this talk about changing the lens on behavior, again, we have to stop looking at behavior and start looking at what's behind it because, excuse me, there is, there are behaviors, whether they're from myself, from you, from children, from significant others, from whomever. Mm -hmm. And we're so focused on what makes us uncomfortable in the moment that yeah. we don't stop to ask ourselves what's going on that's causing that person's mm-hmm. behavior. If a child is screaming and yelling at me, I don't really care. I want to know why they're screaming and yelling at me. Yeah. Right. All righty. So it's time for a break right now. Um, if you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember that there is hope anywhere, anytime through our telecoaching platform. Please feel free to give me a call at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we will be discussing anxiety, what it is, looking at behavior, and language as well. Don't forget, you can check us out at wearehope.org. Again, that's wearehope.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. We'll be back in a minute. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Hello, I'm Cass Thomas, and I'd like to invite you to join me and my friend Monish for our show, Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs. We'll be talking about exclusion, abuse, possibilities, addiction, relationships, LGBT, and more. Is it time to create the life you truly desire? Join us, Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs, every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. This conversation can change your life. It is certainly changing ours. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? 
If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you know what it's like when this world's so cold? You are listening to We Are Hope. If you're interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hello and welcome back. You are listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont on Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also email me directly. I'm sorry, call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. So we're back here with uh, my uh, with the co-founder uh, of We Are Hope um, Inc., James Reinstein, and my business partner. And what we want to talk about now is anxiety. Because anxiety, yeah. right, is really the root cause to everything. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> right? Especially behaviors that we're, we're seeing in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So we have to ask ourselves first, and we have to be able to explain what is anxiety. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. Again, uh, so anxiety can be a lot of different things. It comes out in a lot of different, a lot of different ways. And that's why earlier in the show, or this entire show, we're talking about behavior. Uh, anxiety comes out. It can be through anger. It can be through sadness. It can be through so many different things. Um, when we really break it down, though, our version is really a perceived threat. And when we get into that, it's really how the body and mind both react to something that they perceive to see. This right. can be in the classroom. This can be outside the classroom. And then really kind of breaking it down again even further is really kind of going back to our fight, flight, or freeze response. Yeah. So anxiety, right, in, in a nutshell, is our body's alarm system. Yeah. Right. It tells us uh, that there's danger. Yeah. And it's how we perceive that danger. You know, a little while earlier um, before the show, um, I had used a mousetrap to um, play a trick on my my son's girlfriend. And I said, hey, can you stick your finger in this in this mousetrap? And she says, what do you mean? She goes, oh, no, I'll break my finger. And I go, really? You're not going to break your finger. And so I put my finger in it and, and, and she goes, oh, my gosh, your finger didn't break. And I said, exactly. Anxiety is the way that is what you're perceiving to be dangerous. Right. Correct. And so if a child is walking into class or a child is walking into practice or, or, or anywhere, really, and they're responding behaviorally a certain way. Yeah. It's very possible that their anxiety is causing that behavior. And nine times out mm-hmm. of ten if not nine and a half times out of 10, <laughs> right? It is their anxiety that's causing that behavior. Yeah. And so it's really important to understand that the anxi- that anxiety is our, our body's natural alarm system. It's our overestimation of fear. Mm-hmm. And it's telling us that we are perceiving a very specific threat in our surrounding area. And that threat, and, and when we have that threat, our brain goes into a mode, fight, flight, or freeze. And we're either going to fight that situation by behaving uh, erratically or we're going to freeze and, 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 and shut down and put our head down on the desk and put a hood over our head. Yep. Or we're going to flight. We're going to yell and scream and leave the classroom, right, mm-hmm. when we're talking about kids. But we see that every day in our society, especially um, uh, with our adults and, and, and our younger kids. You know, we're yeah. seeing kids now, as you know, as young as preschool. Yeah. Right. So one in five preschoolers are currently struggling Mm -hmm. with a mood disorder. Yeah. Right. Or with a behavioral disorder. And that speaks a lot to the fact that 
they're not learning the skills to emotionally regulate at a young enough age. Yeah, that actually happens quite a bit, especially in uh, my experience, especially with kindergartners, too. Right. So so not only do we have to talk about anxiety, but we have to talk about the piece of how our thoughts are creating that emotion, which is then creating that very specific behavior. Right. So thoughts create emotions which impact behavior. And so if we have a thought. Right. That um, that our teacher ignored us when we walked in and said hello, Mm -hmm. that's going to cause a very specific emotion. Yeah. Right. Fear, (laughs) doubt, Mm self-hatred. And what might one do when they feel those things? (laughs) They could do many different things. They could. Well, going back to the fight, flight or freeze, one could put their head down, hood up and not respond to the teacher at all at this point. Or they could run out of the classroom. They could yell at the teacher. Right. So so here we have a very simple a very simple uh, situation where a child walks into a classroom and I, and I know this because I've, I've asked a lot of the children that we've worked with and, and mm-hmm. that we've coached and I've actually used this exact example. I say, what would you do if you walked into a classroom and you said hello to a teacher and they didn't <laughs> respond to you? Yeah. And they said, well, I would feel, I, I did, I asked them what they would do, but they would, they always tell me first, I would feel like they don't like me. Yeah. Now that's, that's really that's a powerful statement to say you feel like someone doesn't like you because they didn't say hi to you. Yeah, and that's very common. Very common with our kids today, <laughs> at least the children that we work with in yeah. the schools that we're in. And we're in a yeah. bunch of schools. Yes. And so I say to them, I say, automatically you feel like they don't like you? Mm-hmm. And I say, yep. And I said, well, what, what, what makes you think that? Well, because they didn't say hi to me. So then mm-hmm. I say to them, how would you feel if you knew that they didn't say hi back? Just because they didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. So, oh, well, then it's not a big deal at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? So see how quickly that changes. Yeah. And so what we have to do, right, as, as caregivers, um, parents, um, educators, is help to build these children's resilience to their perceived threats. Yeah. To teach them to look through a different lens. And that's mm-hmm. what We Are Hope does. Yeah. So what are some ways in which you help children to look through a different lens in situations like that? Well, I'm the first thought that comes to mind is one of my students that at first throughout our sessions in the school, when we meet with these students, it's if they really need a buy in and whether it's working with us or school or work, everyone needs a buy in with whatever they're doing. And the student at first was very hesitant because in her past experiences, she didn't have any trusted People, trusted adults, trusted friends, things like that. And for her, she actually, it was her math teacher that she felt as though she could not trust. Right. And that her math teacher didn't like her because she didn't have good grades. Right. And actually, that math teacher didn't say hi to her every single day. Mm. So working with the student, we broke all of that down. Again, like you said before, we started with as soon as you walk into the room. <laughs> right, right. What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? All of that. And a lot of things that helped that student were coping skills that we went over, actually, which happened to be journaling, mm. which actually didn't have anything to do with the teacher. It was her own negative thoughts. Huh. Right. So so what you're saying, in a sense, so that, so that everybody else can really understand is that once we break these situations down with kids, mm-hmm. we're able to get to the root cause yeah. of why they're actually behaving yeah. <laughs> right, a very specific <laughs> way in the classroom yeah. as opposed to just looking at the behavior and saying this kid is the bad kid Correct. or this kid is, is, is not doing math in my class or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And through her own journaling and self-reflection, she was actually able to notice or realize that it was her own stuff exactly. that was holding her back. Exactly. Now, to me, that sounds like a lot of work, (laughs) but I have a feeling that in our line of work, it actually (laughs) wasn't a lot of work. No. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. That that was a couple of sessions. Yeah. Right? And and in a couple of sessions, because we are in the schools five days a week, Mm -hmm. we are really able to help transform a child's life rather quickly. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we say is that in a 
two, two and a half month time frame of meeting with us five days a week, a child would see us, their coach, mm-hmm. more than they would see a therapist in an entire year. Yep. Now, to me, that's a level of support that nobody's able to offer. No, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have to ask ourselves or what we know now is that behavior is language, right? Yep. So what what do be what do behaviors tell us? What are they saying? Yeah, uh, <laughs> they say a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of times it's help. <laughs> right. Or one very important one is leave me alone. Yes. And that is a very, very crucial one in the school systems, in the classrooms, because most of the time when these children do have their head head down or their hood up or their glasses on, <laughs> it's just leave me alone. And sometimes giving them that extra five minutes will change the entire classroom for that day or even the entire week for that kid. Right. I need space. I need a break. Yeah. You're on me. Why are you asking me about my homework? Yep. You're asking me about my homework. I didn't even eat last night. Yep. Exactly. You're asking me about my homework. I was worried about my parents who never showed up last night exactly. or my mother, my single mother, my single father, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so really when we're talking about behaviors and I keep saying this, we have to stop looking at the behavior and start looking at what's behind it mm-hmm. and start asking those kids what we can do to support them as mm-hmm. opposed to focusing on what they're not doing, what they're not doing so that we can get our needs met. Cause yeah. that's really what it boils down to, especially yeah. in, in school, right? It's about yeah. getting the, the teacher's needs, right? The school's needs, mm-hmm. they need to be met. Yeah. But Both if it's, sides. but it, right. But if a child is not mentally, prepared to do something, mm-hmm. then they're never going to do it. Right. Correct. So there's the saying that children, children do well if they want to. Mm-hmm. But what we know is that children do well if they can. Correct. Right. If they have the mental capacity in that moment mm-hmm. to give a hundred percent of themselves or whatever it is to be able to do that work. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, again, we have to continue to stop looking at the behavior. And I'm going to say this for the entire show, <laughs> right? And start looking at what's behind it because behaviors are language. They are telling us something. So when a child is in a store and I'm walking by this child who's kicking and screaming and, and, and the mother is yelling at them to stop acting bad and embarrassing them, that child is saying that there's something specific that they want. Now, yeah. They may not get it, but the parent mm-hmm. has to understand that that behavior is the way in which that child is trying to say, this is what I need yeah. or whatever the case may be. So it's time for another break. Um, if you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember there is hope. Anywhere, anytime through our telecoaching platform. Please give me a call today at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we will discuss triggers and the role they play on how we respond to things every day. Don't forget, you can check us out at www.wearehope.org. Again, that's www.wearehope.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. We'll be back in a moment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Dao Chung Life Transformation with Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping into the Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. 
Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to We Are Hope. If you are interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. All righty, welcome back. You are listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont, on Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. Well, listen, welcome back, James. How are you doing so far in this interview? I'm doing great. All right. So what I want to talk about now, so we've talked about anxiety, we've talked about behaviors, but what we haven't talked about are triggers. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> How do we get to that behavior, right? Mm-hmm. What is causing that behavior? So we talked about looking at the behavior. We also talked about looking at what's behind the behavior, mm-hmm. right? And what's behind the behavior is that trigger. True. So what is a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into that, I do really want to emphasize that triggers don't have to be negative. Yes. And super, I super important. That, yeah. I, I, I think that it is very important to understand that triggers are not always negative. Right. Especially in times that we have today, the word trigger can be triggering <laughs> to people. Well, the word trigger can be triggering, but I, <laughs> but I also think that the word trigger is so overused. Yes. Today, it is, 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 you know, I I walk into, I walk into some schools and, and, and I've walked by, I've walked by kids that tell their friends, you're triggering me, Mm -hmm. right? This, this language, if you will, of mental health or mental illness has come to the forefront. And I believe that it's amazing that people are actually talking about it and trying to break the stigma. However, we're overutilizing some of these, (laughs) some of these phrases here, right? Yeah. I've heard kids say I have anxiety or or, I'm I'm depressed. And I say, yeah, I say you're depressed. Have you been diagnosed? No, I'm depressed. (laughs) Then you're not, you don't have depression. You're sad. There's a huge difference. Depression is a diagnosis. Yeah. We're we're in America. We overdo a lot of things. (laughs) Right. Right. So true. So let's talk about, again, let's, let's pull that back and talk about the trigger. For sure. Um, Well, quickly, what I mean by a positive trigger can be, something that reminds you of an event. Um, Again, a positive event. It could be a school dance that you went to. That could be a happy memory. It could be a song. Mine is the smell of chocolate chip cookies walking (laughs) in the house, right? Yeah. Again, but on the flip side, so triggers involve, they surround your senses. Mm -hmm. So it could be a smell, it could be a taste, something you touch, things like that, that, again, remind you of certain things. Yeah, something you see. Um, again, so for that person, for a positive trigger, that song could be a reminder of a school dance where they're with their high school sweetheart. On the flip side, it could be that song that reminds them of the high school dance in which they got dumped as soon as they walked through the door. Right, right. So when we're talking about the students that we work with, that we serve, or even the adults that we serve, it's it's really it's usually more negative. It's not always positive. Right. <laughs> it can be, um, but triggers are are tricky because in the school, a lot of times the staff and the teachers they when it comes down to it they don't have the time to see every single thing that goes on. Right. They don't have time to be aware of every single thing that goes on. Nor do anybody. <laughs> Does right. anybody? Right. Um, so in terms of our students. In terms of anxiety, it could be, it doesn't have to be a teacher, it could be anybody that is in the school at that point in time. It could be the way that they are standing, it could be a hand on the hip, mm-hmm. which reminds them of a time that their parent uh, hit them or right. yelled at them, right. uh, et cetera. So that is really an example of the triggers that we kind of, that we work with. with right, students. right. So, so how do we, as we are hope, as an organization, in our, in our approach, how do we respond to people that are triggered? 
(laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great question. Well, one, and you'll hear all of us say, well, Sean and I say it a lot, is it really depends on the situation. It depends on the student. It depends on the the people around. depends on our rapport with the student. Because if you have amazing rapport with that student or that client, sometimes you can just say, hey, we're going over here and we're going to go do this. And they'll get up and do that. If you do not have great rapport with that person, uh, and you're still working with them, it's still very important to understand your surroundings. Mm-hmm. So realize to understand what's going on, if it's in the classroom, if you believe that the coach feels as though it's very beneficial to have that student be pulled out of the classroom, mm-hmm. and then to talk quietly with them in the corner or in the hallway or wherever they feel comfortable, then we start that way. Yeah. One of the things that I want to point out, and, and it's great, but what I, one of the things I think you forgot Right. Which which is our big our big anchor right? (laughs) is is the thing that the layman, if you will, the person who's not the mental health worker, the the teacher, the the parent, the the caregiver, the aunt, the uncle, whomever it may be. The one thing that you can do when someone is triggered. Ask them, ask them what they need. (laughs) Ask them what they need, (laughs) but validate that, too. Right. Yeah. We want to validate what they're going through. So they're currently struggling. And you just want to validate. Now, say validate. We have to remember, the validation is not about necessarily the correct. It's about <laughs> correct, right? That's where people are like I'm not going to validate them. Yeah. So no, you don't. It, it doesn't mean you agree with what's happening. It means that you understand that it must be difficult for what they're currently going through. Yeah. Putting yourself on the same level. And so what I do, and I know that what you do as well, um, is we just validate people that are currently triggered. Yeah. We say, hey, look, it, it must be really difficult right now that, that you're going through this and this is currently happening to mm-hmm. you. What can I do to support you? Those words, yeah. what can I do to support you? Yeah. Will save you from a crisis almost every <laughs> single time. It's ironic because that actually happened to me this year where I said those exact words in front of the office at school with a staff, another staff member, not our staff member, but the school staff member who yeah. said, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> right. And they look at the student and they say, oh, James is great. He, what? He asked you what he can do for you? <laughs> yeah. And, and this is, you know, it's, it's interesting because we see this a lot and I hear this as you and I check in often throughout the year. Um, you know, people seem to be blown away by our common language. Yeah. Hundred percent of what can I do to support you? Yeah. Is there anything you need right now? <laughs> yeah. Right. Would you like to take us? Would you like to take space? Mm-hmm. That common that language that's so common for us every day. Yeah. Seems to be so foreign to everyone else that we've come that we come in contact with, unless they are doing this this type of work. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, I remember we, you know, we talk a lot about feeling like the lone men on the island. That, yeah. that no one else understands what we're doing, which for the most part, they don't because what, what we've created is new. <laughs> right. But the but the overall concept of love, compassion, empathy, validation and understanding that in itself um, seems to be new. Yeah. A new concept. <laughs> we is. walk into the school and we hear, you know, a lot of a lot of faculty want their pound of flesh from these kids. Yeah. You know, well, they did this. They did this. They did this. And, 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 and <laughs> you know, my first response, well, what did you do? Yeah. Right. What, what were you doing mm-hmm. um, to support this child? Kicking them out of class. Well, I kicked them out of class. <laughs> what do you mean you kicked them out of class? <laughs> right. What do you mean you kicked them out of class? Like, what yeah. is wrong with you? Yeah. Right. Sometimes you just want to say, what is wrong with you? What is your (laughs) malfunction? That child, their behavior was saying that they needed something from you. Yeah. And your response was to say, get out. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the things that I that I heard um, uh, a long time ago, um, probably about two years ago from one of our one of the people that we that we work with is violate their expectation. Yeah. You know, violating a child's expectation. And I said, at first I was like, man, that just sounds weird. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? And then as he explained it, um, children and people and adults, when we respond a certain way or when they respond or when they, when they do something specific, they already think that we're going to respond a very specific way. 
yeah. based on their behavior. Exactly. And the first thing that we want to do is violate that expectation. And in a sense, what that means is to do the opposite of what they think we're going to do, mm-hmm. to respond differently than the way that they believe that we are actually supposed to, quote unquote, <laughs> respond. Yep. So when a child's yelling and screaming at you and you're not their parent, that means that they probably yell and scream at their parent mm-hmm. and they know that something's coming, some type of some type of punishment. Yeah. But when you violate that and you talk soft and you talk low and you say, hey, I'm still here for you, mm-hmm. man, the, the, the shift, right? The shift that happens with that relationship, that rapport is just remarkable. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 I, I mean, how many times have you seen a child's eyes open wide when we when we utilize our skills on them? <laughs> right. It happens all the time, especially with that student that I was talking about earlier. She, a month in when she realized that she was doing all the things that we talked about and her questioning herself of, wait, I'm working on positive thoughts and now I can go into school and go into classrooms and I can use my skills and I can make it through every single classroom every day. Right. <laughs> right. And this, and this is, again, this is just one student that you're talking about. And exactly. again, you've served over 60 or 70 in this school year alone <laughs> on top of individual clients that we work with outside Correct. of the school. Correct. Yeah. And so this is the approach that we are hope is taking with with all of our coaches, with all of our schools and all of the children that we support. And again, you know, I'm going to give a little plug here. This is why we are hope should be in every single school (laughs) throughout the country, because no one, and I mean, no one does what we do in the level and the way that we do it. Correct. The level of support is unheard of. Um, So right now we're going to go ahead and take another break. Um, If you or someone, you know, is currently struggling, remember there is hope. Anytime, anywhere through our telecoaching platform. Feel free to give me a call at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we will discuss how We Are Hope is changing the lens in schools on behaviors and how we're actually doing it. Don't forget, you can check us out at www.wearehope.org. Again, that's www.wearehope.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. We'll be back in a minute. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore what we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to We Are Hope. If you are interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
Hello and welcome back. You are listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Sigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope, Inc. Again, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope, Inc. And We Are Hope is W-E-R-H-O-P-E-I-N-C-E. So, James, you know, we're about to finish the show here in a little bit, and this is our last segment. And, and as we finish and, 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 and talk about this, you know, I want to talk about how we, as We Are Hope, is changing the lens. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, well, one, like you said, a couple times, <laughs> nobody is doing what we do at this level right. in the way that we do it. So the way that we're changing the lens is really, one, <laughs> communication, yeah, <laughs> which is needed every single place that you go, whether right. it's hospitals, whether it's school, wherever you work, communication. Right. So that is one way that we are changing the lens on really mental health in general, because the stigma, <laughs> breaking the stigma through change, right? Right, right. <laughs> so we are breaking the, the stigma through change by communicating, by filling the gap, if you will, and bringing and bridging people and students and families together. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, and I think the level in which we actually support the teachers yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So we talk a lot about, you know, and I think people misconstrue a lot of what I say sometimes because I, I talk a lot about, you know, what is this teacher's issue? What is this teacher's problem? Yeah. But one of the things that we don't often talk about is is how much we actually go in and support these teachers and help them along the way, because we do understand that they just don't have enough time yeah. and that they are under significant, significant amounts of pressure to teach specific specific, you know, uh, courses or whatever it is. And they have all these benchmarks that they need to meet tests, yeah. tests and all this. Yeah. And, and, and we understand that. And so sometimes, yes, we are baffled by a person not having compassion in the moment. <laughs> right. Yes. But it does not mean that we don't have the compassion to help that teacher or that administrator through the moment yeah. so that they can recognize what's actually going on with that student. And it's not just for the benefit of the student. It's also for the benefit of the faculty member. Correct. Because yes. sometimes they're just not seeing what's actually happening. Correct. Yeah. I mean, everyone, all the teachers, every single teacher, every single person in the school, wherever, again, everybody's human. Right. We all have our own baggage. We all have our own things going on at home. We all have our pressures at work. We all have those things. And sometimes when we meet and talk with teachers, sometimes it's just to work with them and talk with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we do a anxiety um, education training at every school that we go to yeah. that wants to have the training. Um, we do a growth mindset training. We do... Um, and norms training, what is your normative culture in your school and how you can change that? Because sometimes the norm is that we throw every kid out of class who doesn't respond the way that we want them to. Yeah. Or the norm is the kid running down the hallway and nobody doing anything about it. Right. So how, <laughs> right. So how do we change that normative culture? And so not only do we just talk the talk, but we walk the walk. Correct. And, and we're not just going in, working with children and leaving. We are a fixture in that school to be utilized by every faculty member that's there yeah. when they have kids that they are currently struggling with. So again, you know, we're coaching kids and and, and, and we're doing amazing one-on-one -on -one work with them, but we're also coaching faculty through that. And so yes. I think personally, that's how we are changing that lens. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we're doing to make a difference in our school system because teachers are people too. Yeah. <laughs> and they need, they need, they've yeah. got, you know, they've got an enormous amount of pressure, but they need coaching as well Yeah, to realize that they can show compassion. And it is okay mm -hmm. to tell that kid that you understand the struggles that they're going through. Yes. So let me ask you this. What does everyone need to know about negative behaviors and how are we breaking this stigma through change? 
Two questions. <laughs> Two questions. <laughs> so what does everybody need to know about negative behaviors? Yeah. Well, that's a, a good question. It's a great question, man. It's a great <laughs> question. <Always> question. <laughs> <laughs> so negative behaviors, they're always going to be there. Whether it's a student, whether it's an adult, it doesn't matter. Like there will always be negative behaviors because we will always have some sort of stress in our lives. Right. But negative behaviors does not mean that is the end of the world. Right. It does not mean that <laughs> we can't support these students. Right. And some schools, unfortunately, do believe that when people have negative behaviors that they are not even supposed to be in that school. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we hear that a lot. Yes. So how are we breaking the stigma through change? We are breaking the stigma <laughs> through change <laughs> by, I would say, almost every single thing that we're doing. I would, yeah, I would say everything that we're doing. Yeah. We are we're going into the schools. Uh, again, like I said, we're communicating. But more importantly, like you brought up, we're, we're being, pa- well, one, we're passionate, we're compassionate, and we're driven to support these students because a lot of people don't realize that, yes, we say that we are... 30 minutes a day with these students, five days a week. But what people don't realize is 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that we do support these students when they're out of school too. Yeah. That's one of the things we don't, we, we haven't really talked about is that children, the children that we, that we work with and contract with have 24 hours a day, seven day a week access to us. Yeah. You know, once they are contracted through the school, they have access to us just like our, our, our adult clients. You, you may contract with us to, to, to do sessions three days a week but you can call a seven if that's what you need. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Uh, so again, going back to how do we break the stigma through change? We break it by being human. Yeah, such <laughs> by a good being point. being human and not being a robot and not going down a certain list with every single person that we work with. That's a great answer. And I think that's spot on. James, listen, man, I want to thank you for joining me today. It was fun was having awesome. you on, right? Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming out, man. I really, really appreciate it. So as we come to a close... I would like you all to remember someone that you know or someone that you love or maybe even yourself is struggling in silence right now. Today is the day you no longer have to. Today is the day they or you can reach out for support. Today is that day. Today, you no longer have to be alone. Today is the day you can reclaim your voice and break the chain of silence and get the support that's needed. We are hope is here to help. We believe in your strength, even when you do not. Give us a call or reach out via email or phone. The email is at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. Or you can call at 802-440-1428. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wearehopeinc. Again, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we are hoping. Until next time, remember, it's okay to not be okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Hope radio show. Please join host Sean Perry again for another edition next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week. Do you know what it's like? Staying up all night. Nightmares at night. Goddamn, I try.